Hello everyone, welcome to Random Encounter 250 or 250. My name is John O'Logan and this is my last week in Nova Scotia. So next episode is finally going to be back to better mic quality. Uh, listeners, thank you for bearing with me as my voice has not sounded quite the same for the last few episodes, but very soon I will sound better. Uh, except for one episode of Retro that I recorded while I'm here. So like in a few months, you're going to be hearing that and be like, oh, what's up with Jono's mic? And the answer is I was in Nova Scotia. Um, so yeah, I'm ridiculously busy right now because I've been here uh, for about a month um, and uh, I'm trying to finish everything up that's like on my to-do list. And the end of a trip is always really hectic for me because I'm like trying to pack everything in uh, the last week that I should have done in the past four weeks. So I have no time right now. But you know what? Despite that, I always have time for my two guests uh, this week. So on the show with me this week is Audra. Hi. And our fearless leader, Mike. Hi, I'm here. I'm only mildly offended that next week you said you can have better mic quality. So I'm not sure how I should take that. Yeah, I'm going to have Solosi on. It's going to be great. Okay, awesome. <laughs> no, no, fearless leader. You are you are unto yourself uh, a paragon of micness. <laughs> Thank you. The Paragon of Mikeness. That sounds like a game that would have been announced at Gamescom, which incidentally was last week. So uh, we thought we'd do a little bit of talking, a little bit of conversation about Gamescom and some of the news that was released and also other news because there had been some fairly significant leaks today, as a matter of fact, about the Tokyo Game Show. So uh, we might mention those. But uh, so anyway, let, let's just dive right into some Gamescom news. Uh, the biggest news, of course, for me was the announcement of the new DualSense Edge PS5 controller. Because I love me a controller. Uh, do either of you collect controllers? I actually don't know the answer to this. No, I usually just stick with the default ones. Um, I I think I want to more than I do. Because I'm a little bummed that I never got the Xenoblade Chronicles 2 uh, Pro Controller. Because I love that one. Mm. Um, I, I guess as far as I go is some certain Joy-Con colors. Um, like the Splatoon ones and some other ones. Like when they do a new color combination or a special... Mm -hmm. pattern like sometimes i really i will go for those i uh i really like the dual sense uh I, I in terms of like holding it and everything it just feels really really good in my hand my usual controllers are uh obviously the default controllers for the respective systems so like the pro controller for the switch the uh dual sense for the playstation 5 i use a uh i use a uh 8-bit do 8-bit do uh for uh my pc gaming which feels really really nice but yeah, this thing this thing looks sexy, and I kind of want one. It it does look really cool. It's it's a little surprising to me that they waited until now to do one because I forgot how long ago Microsoft did their you know customizable controller. So I'm glad I'm glad they're getting on board too, though. I am too because also I find DualSense uh, much more comfortable than the uh, Xbox controllers. I don't know right. why I've never I've never loved Xbox controllers. No, I'm with you. I don't they're know. Fine. I don't I don't know what it is either. There's something about the shape of like the PlayStation. Four. I didn't mm. actually like anything before PlayStation Four ergonomically, mm. um, but like Four and above, and the Switch Pro, Pro controller, like those, those are some of my favorites. I think what the Xbox controllers are really missing is a giant green logo in the middle of it that has the name <laughs> Xbox on it. That's oh yeah. If they put one of those awesome. on their controllers, I would be in. Uh. <laughs> that, that was one of the, yeah. I know We're, we don't need to go too far into it, but like I was, I was glad with. 360 where they turned the xbox logo into a, a button so it served a function but the yeah. idea that the original one just had that giant logo that did nothing is kind of funny when you think about it just a big disc um 
Okay, well, let, let's move into some actual RPG and gaming news. Uh, the new trailer for Disney's remake of Pinocchio has dropped. Um, and it is much darker than I expected because there's lots of steampunk and it's very violent and Pinocchio has lots of items in his hands and uh, it's uh, it's not actually the Disney remake trailer of Pinocchio. It's Lies of P, which is a, has, is a new action RPG that is inspired by Pinocchio. Uh, it just happened to drop at the same time as the Disney remake trailer of Pinocchio dropped. Uh, have either of you seen this? And if so, what do you make of it? Because I think it looks great. I just saw some info about it, and it looks really interesting. I, I've seen screenshots. I didn't watch the trailer yet. And you like you, you were really throwing me off there because I did hear about the Pinocchio movie, and I'm like, what is where is he going with this? Uh, <laughs> I I forgot that they were like those things were like announced and shown like back to back. It's okay. I didn't really know where I was going with that either until I got to the end. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So again, screenshots. It looks really neat. I mean, I know some people are saying it looks like maybe too similar to a Souls like, but also the setting and characters and like I don't think is like it seems like they are at least that is a unique take on it the setting reminds me a little bit of dishonored yeah yeah oh yeah which i am a fan of uh it obviously isn't dishonored because it's 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 not uh first person it's third person but uh yeah i i think that i think this has a little bit of uh potential to it i i think it looks like a pretty cool game i do too i forgot when it's coming out now did it get a release date or not yet i don't think it did I think that companies are smart not to announce release dates uh, paired with announcements because it's especially the last few years. It's like, okay, that's, that's just a recipe for disappointment and looking like you failed at actually meeting the release date when there was really no chance in heck that you were ever actually going to be able to release it on that day. Yeah. Hang on. Let's see here. I'm going to, okay. Brand new trailer. It's going to be launching day one on Xbox game pass and there is no announcement. It's 2023. So that could be any time in 2023 or hell, any time in 2024. One of those two. Um, well, let's move on now. Uh, there has an announcement. It was not a it was not a, a big announcement, I guess you could say, in terms of actual showing us things. But in terms of what it represents, it's pretty big. Uh, there was news a few years ago about talent from Bethesda and Obsidian. And they were starting up a new gaming studio called Wicked Games. Uh, they just announced their first game it's an open world rpg called word song w-y-r-d song uh it's going to be based in a fictionalized portugal in the middle ages so they're going to be going the fantasy route um and as a fan of bethesda style rpgs i'm pretty pumped about it yeah that one i was actually looking forward to they didn't really have too much information on it but i like the art and the concept yeah i like that they threw down the gauntlet with just like a teaser because you know, if they showed any gameplay at this point, it would be like, yeah, that's not actually in the game. Exactly. Showing us like something that shows the tone that they're going for is pretty smart, I think. I think so. I mean, the, the yeah, the feel and the setting and the artwork is gorgeous. So I think if you're going to announce a game like and you only have artwork, like if you have artwork of that caliber and you have like the people, I'm sure you're going to talk about this, like, but the people, you know, specific people who are in the studio and the games they worked on are impressive. So, Oh yeah. Like fallout, uh, fallout, uh, Skyrim, uh, even some of the people who worked on outer worlds are involved in it. So it yeah. is mm-hmm. like a lot of people play, a lot of people who are working on this have designed some of my favorite games over the last 15 years. So the fact that this is going to be hopefully in that genre is really exciting to me. They even worked on the first game you ever reviewed for the site. Oh, 
God, why did you need to bring that up? <laughs> but I, also, I take it also back, Mike. Go- you're you're not a paragon of Mikeness. You're a paragon of meanness. <laughs> also, also good games. Also good games. Yes. Although reminding me of Fallout seventy six wins you no points on this podcast, my friend. No points at all. Well, this isn't one of the quiz shows. I don't need to earn points here, do I? <laughs> you do if you want to be on again. Oh shoot! <laughs> okay, let's rewind. Let's cut all that. Okay, it ne- never happened. Never happened. I will delete it from my memory. Okay. Um. Okay. Well, a game that uh, I have never reviewed is Suikoden and its spiritual successor. Uh, Eugen Chronicle got a brand new trailer, and I gotta say, it looks terrific. Yay! It looks, yep. It, it looks like a brand new Suikoden, which mm-hmm. is apparently pretty much exactly what it is. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, that yay indicates that Audra is a big fan of this. Yes, I love Suikoden. And I'm hoping this one will be able to carry the torch. It looks like it will. And it has a shark man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it really looks like it will, because it looks like well, it looks like Suikoden, like right down to the the character art, uh, the character uh, uh, sprites are very reminiscent of that of uh, that celebrated game series on the PlayStation One. Uh, less so, uh, less so its later entries, but it, it very much looks like Suikoden One and Two, which is yes, I'm pumped about. It's um, yeah, like each each time they show that more of the game, it looks better. It's definitely. Some of the backgrounds and some of the presentation is, you know, it's it's hard not to at least somewhat compare it to the two D HD style from Octopath. Oh, they but are pulling heavily from it. Yeah, they are. They are, but they're not. They're not doing it in like a pixelated style because that's usually how that stuff works. Like they're using that like really shallow depth of focus or depth of field um, with pixel art, but it's not like, you know, big chunky pixels. So it still has that Suikoden look. I don't know. It's neat. It's it's. I like that they're doing this, but not making exactly the same style as the others. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 2D HD looks like a. It looks like a Super Nintendo. How you remember a Super Nintendo game looking? This looks like how I remember a PlayStation game looking. Right. Mm-hmm. No, it looks fantastic. And I I don't want to like. I always like honing on all the weird characters, like the Shark Man, like Audra said. Like I don't want to <laughs> spend too much time on that, but I do love that. Like you don't. I don't think you get enough of that anymore. When you had like. Uh, I remember it was Shiny Force One or Two that had Jogurt. You had this little gopher with a helmet on. Like, oh, I remember. I, yeah. I love those weird characters in RPGs. So when you have a cast this big and you can have all these animal characters like kangaroos and sharks, like yeah, bring it on. Why the heck not? Yeah, that just reminds me more of Suikoden too, since they have so many different types of characters. Yeah, yeah. The first one is uh, the first Suikoden, which is the I played it a couple of uh, weeks ago now for Retro Encounter, and yeah, it was it, pretty conventional in terms of the uh, the characters. But yeah, this this looks like it's going out there, and I love that. Um, but speaking about Spikaden One and Two, well, maybe uh, a rumor came out today that uh, Konami is going to be is going to be bringing games to the Tokyo Game Show, which is surprising because I thought that the only games that Konami were interested in playing were ones that can be found in the casino now. But uh, it turns out that they are bringing some games over. And one of them is an unannounced game. And this unannounced game, many people, let's let's call them uh, M. Solosi, are speculating <laughs> that uh, it could be Suikoden related and it could maybe be a compilation of Suikoden 1 and 2. Maybe. A remake, perhaps. He does mm. have some pretty good points, but I guess I'll have to wait and see just 
I've been burned too many times. <laughs> yeah, I would be a jaw on the floor stunned if Konami actually did a remake of uh, 1 and 2. I wouldn't be surprised if they did an enhanced remaster or something along those lines. I would almost put money on the fact that it would be that. Um, I don't know what's up with Konami these days because, you know, they had a while where they basically did stop making games, but now they're making more of them. Like, you know, there was a new Bomberman game that came out a few weeks ago. Um, and, you know, they have these things like the Castlevania collection and some other things. So I feel like they have game developers again, but I don't know to the extent. Like, I absolutely could not see them making a new game in the series. And I don't think they would want to spend the resources to do any kind of full-on remake. No. I, I could see a repackage one and two because that's what they're doing now. Like that that Ninja Turtles collection that just came out apparently is fantastic. The Cowabunga collection? Yeah. And like, that's fine. Like, I so like, I don't know where they are with making new games if they develop them or if they're outsourcing them. Um, so I just feel, feel like the kind of stuff they release now, it would be that. It would be some kind of a collection. Um, I, it's interesting that the rumors are like one and two because there are, you know, five games and some other ones. I don't think they would do a collection of five, but that would be that would be something. I have a theory that it's an easier sell for companies to release uh, remasters for Super Nintendo and PlayStation uh, 2D games than it is for them to release PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2 era RPGs or any other game that used uh, 3D graphics because one has aged remarkably well and one hasn't. Um, And... I, I know that many people love them, but I think it would be a harder sell for them to do a remaster of like Suikoden 3 using the graphic style there. Whereas if they release a cleaned up version of Suikoden 1 and 2, I think they would look phenomenal. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And it's hard. I don't I don't like doing conspiracy theories, but it's kind of hard not to think like, gee, why are they doing this now? Mm. Um, like... Obviously, it's so obvious that they they've seen the success of the Euden Kickstarter and the you know the fact that they had a spinoff and it it's good. Like I'm not like disparaging them. Like it's good that it's like oh wait there really is a market for this, um, mm. which they didn't acknowledge for the longest time. So if if the original creators going and making their own game inspired Konami to actually like get the original games back out there again so people can play them, like you know ultimately it's a good thing. So I hope that is what happens. Yeah. I don't think they acknowledged it. I don't think they knew it. I think that probably like there was an intern in the basement somewhere and found like a stack of unsold Suikoden <laughs> titles and was like, what's this? Huh, we own this? Okay, sure. <laughs> I mean, it's only a good thing to A, get these two games or whatever they release again. Also, it's pretty good marketing for Euden Chronicles because it will be able to show show like what these developers essentially did. That's true. Yeah. I. I'm a fan. Also, Solosi will be a very happy man, and that that's always a good thing. <laughs> Excited Solosi on podcasts is always entertaining. <laughs> I agree. Um, okay, well, here's something that I should be excited about, but I'm not. Uh, Gotham Knights is apparently being released a week earlier than we actually expected. God, I want to be excited about this game, and I'm just not, and it's the weirdest thing. I thought you were. What changed? I thought I was, too. Uh, when it was announced, I was super pumped about it. I was like, oh, wow, this looks like the Arkham games. And then every single time I've seen like art or the developers talking about it or anything about this game, my excitement level drops and there's no discernible reason for it. <laughs> I shouldn't. Like, there's nothing about this game that looks bad. It just 
doesn't really excite me in a way. And like the idea of, you know, another open world Gotham City being able to explore the city and and fight crime and everything about this game should be hitting my Arkham sweet spot. And it's just missing it by like an inch. Um, I am really hoping I'm wrong about that. It's so strange because there's nothing about it that should make me feel like this. Everything looks pretty good and I'm just not excited and I don't know why. Hmm. I mean, it's a more RPG take on the Arkham games. I should be excited about that. Did you, did you overdo it? Did you over immerse yourself in hype and media for the game? And now you're just like burned out. I don't think so because every (laughs) single time I've seen something from it, I'm just like, yeah, I can't remember. Have either of you ever played any of the Arkham titles? I haven't. I have played a little bit of the first one. So I'm, I'm no help to you here. Uh, I mean, I highly recommend that you play all three of them at the very least, the first two. Um, They're not RPGs, but they are exceptional uh, 3D Metroidvanias set in semi-open worlds. The first one is a straight-out Metroidvania, though. Like, it's a contained... It's 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 on an island. It's a contained world. And it uses the same, you know, Metroidvania style of, ooh, I get a new item to open up this extra place. Um, whereas 2 is a self-contained open world that is amazing. Um, they're both jaw-droppingly good games. And the remasters they did a while back are fantastic. Uh, but like, again, looking at Gotham Knights, I look at Gotham Knights and I'm like, wow, I should replay the Arkham games again. So that's not what you should feel when you see something new. (laughs) Well, maybe it would rekindle your excitement. Well, maybe. Well, we'll be, hopefully we'll be getting a copy and we'll be reviewing it because it is an RPG. So I guess we'll see. Um, other news. Another thing that I am not excited about, but I know that some people really are, is Dead Island 2 was announced and it is coming out in a few months. Now, I've never played Dead Island 2. Uh, I've never played Dead Island or Dead Island Riptide. Um, it's an irreverent zombie action RPG. The last entry, Riptide, was a decade ago in 2013. And uh, while I am not like excited specifically for this game, I will admit that the trailer looked pretty fun. Uh, Dead Island is one, a zombie game, two, a first person shooter. And also it's an RPG, which are two things that I generally don't play. Mm-hmm. Although I have somehow played several hours of the first game. Um, I don't really know how it ended up in front of me, but I did enjoy it. Um, I think, you know, it was probably because it actually had RPG elements. And I thought that was kind of novel in that kind of mm-hmm. in that setting. Um, yeah. You know, I, I sort of wrote this game off a long time ago because it was announced, I think, in 2014 or something. Like it's a been very in development long for ago. a long time. And I think it's switched hands or switched developers several times since then. So it's been just out there. So I'm I'm glad, actually. Uh, I got to, like, really look into it some more because I got so used to, like, fi- assuming it would never come out. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely a surprise when I saw it was suddenly out. And it's out soon-ish. In a few months, apparently. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they're going to be del- – they might delay it a little bit. But I don't think it's going to be delayed for another few years. That would be – very silly. No, I mean, I think it, once they're at the point where they're giving a release window, it's at least it is on track. And, you know, it's a game that actually exists now, which yeah. you know, it obviously wasn't for a long time. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know if I would say I'm zombied out, but I feel like the fad of zombies like Dead Island really hit at the peak of that. And it's still there. I mean, everyone still loves zombies. They're still, you know. They're still shambling around. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah, I'll be curious how it's received because there's so there's so much of that now. Yep. Um, 
One thing that we got over the course of Gamescom was a surprising amount of uh, adventure game news, uh, which I know that Hillary has also been very excited about. There is New Tales from the Borderland, which is a follow-up uh, to the Telltale game Tales from the Borderlands, which is an adventure game spinoff from, well, Borderlands. Um, they've also announced, uh, well, they announced this a while back, but we got some new footage of the adventure game uh, version of The Expanse, also from Telltale. Uh, it's uh, based on the, the show, The Expanse. And I got to say, for a studio that died a very public death a few years ago, Telltale seems to be making one hell of a comeback. So The Expanse is made by New Telltale? Yeah, it, it, yeah it's made by New Telltale. Okay. Borderlands is not, as far as I understand. Uh, Borderlands is uh, a follow-up to the Telltale game, though. Well, yes, but it's at, my understanding on that one is it's actually being made in-house at Gearbox, although they have some staff from the original game on it. it it's not going to be a shooter. It's going to be an adventure right. game in the style of, yes. Right, right, right. So I think that I didn't, I actually missed the, the new footage for The Expanse, but I did see the presentation for uh, Borderlands, and I think it looks great. I think it, it seems to capture that same kind of spirit. It has this, like, that Borderlands-style humor, which I guess you love it or hate it i don't know but i i'm a fan of it mm-hmm. so i don't know i'm I'm happy to see another one because after telltale closed like those kind of games didn't entirely go away but a lot of them went away mm-hmm. um so it's neat seeing that and the fact that it's out uh next month that's pretty cool mm-hmm. uh october 21st i think Ooh. yeah but i mean okay if, if i'm going to talk about the big adventure game news it's that return of monkey island is being released on september 19th um I am blown away by this. I can't remember, like, part of me expected that if, like, the, a new Monkey Island game got announced, we'd be getting it, like, at a game show, and we'd be getting, like, little pieces doled out throughout the year, and it might come out the following year, it might come out two years later, or, like, I, but this has been, I feel like they just announced it, and it's coming out in less than a month, and that's super exciting. Yeah, they were obviously keeping that one uh, under wraps for a while, huh? I, I kind of wish that more game studios would do that. Yeah. It would be a nice change of pace. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess you could say that if it was announced way earlier, I would have had even more time to get hyped. But honestly, I don't think I could be more hyped. No, I think it looks fantastic. I I know I know the opinions were a little mixed about the art style when they first showed it because, I don't know, people are people. And it didn't look exactly the same, but I love it. I love the, the look they're going for in this game. Well, we talked about this a few weeks ago, and the annoying thing about that is the only two Monkey Island games with a consistent art style were Monkey Island 1 and 2, and those were released decades ago on a system where it was they didn't really have, they, they had to have a consistent art style because, <laughs> right? I mean, they were using a lot of the same, the same assets, I would imagine, just altered. Um, but like Curse of Monkey Island, uh, Escape from Monkey Island, and the Tales from Monkey Island games all look completely different, so... It's a little weird that people were like, this doesn't look like the Monkey Island I remember. And it's like, no, it doesn't. (laughs) But hopefully it sounds and plays like it. Yeah. That's the important thing. Yeah. I'm very excited for it. Um, So what, uh, is there any news that uh, the two of you were excited for or excited about that I have not mentioned? Um, Well, I have about four pieces or three, really. Mm -hmm. Armed Fantasia. Or is it Fantasia or Fantasia? I'm sure. I'm guessing it's Fantasia. Yeah. 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 We I, we should talk about that, shouldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a huge Wild Arms fan, so I was like, yes, <laughs> and I heard that. 
if you're curious about this news, uh, I, I would be happy to direct you to our site where we got some. Uh, we have an awesome. Uh, we got a uh, an interview. Where is it here? I'm looking for it. Well, we'll there. have the link. We can't yeah. give people a link right now unless you want to you know, spell it out for them. Yeah, well. RPGFan.com <laughs> slash features slash blah, 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 blah. Anyway, <laughs> so this is going to be a uh, game from the talented folks that made Wild Arms and Shadow Hearts with a double Kickstarter campaign. Uh, I got to be honest, if you, I, I was not expecting this thing to get as popular as fast as it did. But oh boy, it's already blowing past its goal. And mm-hmm. uh, we're in some stretch goals now which is a awesome thing. Um, people are super, super excited about these games. So it's going to be Arm Fantasia uh, to the end of the wilderness and Henny Blood. Yes. And both of them look really good. I don't, I never played a Shadow Hearts game before, but I do like the look of Penny Blood. I do too. Yeah, I think they both, you know they're they're not shy about the fact that like they're like yes these are successors to these games because we worked on these games and mm-hmm. I think they're really good um, really good evolutions of what you expected. Um, it has that wild you know Arm Fantasia has that Wild Arms look. If you haven't listened to the uh, music samples on the Kickstarter page, like please do because it's amazing. The music yes. they've released so far is so good. Um, but it's like. You can picture it in your head if you even if you didn't look at the game, like picture that wild arms like wild west aesthetic, but in you know and a graphic engine that looks like tales of Arise. is that's how I see it, and it looks beautiful yeah, that's a good description. It's gorgeous. The trailer that they showed was amazing, yeah, and then yeah. and then same with penny blood like it mm-hmm. it's exactly what you would hope a shadow hearts game would look like on modern consoles mm-hmm. um but it has this cool um like uh, what I forgot how how they described it. Like it looks like it's drawn with ink, um, mm-hmm. just the neat, not cell shaded exactly, but it has a cool, like kind of gritty look to it. Oh, it almost reminds me of like the Street Fighter Four art oh. where they did like the ink, yeah, oh, yeah. watches yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's been a long time since Wild Arms uh, has had an entry. Uh, I think it was it was the last one was on the PlayStation Two. Yes, it's been too long. <laughs> yeah, it has. Been I mean, way too long. There was the mobile game, but it never came out here and it died a very quick death in japan so <laughs> I, I don't know why but just i might cut this because i don't want to get sued by disney but i just said we don't talk about mobile no 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 <laughs> 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 uh, poor mobile gaming uh speaking of mobile gaming uh sam james gordon got a dual interview for us uh talking to the developers uh Sam is our, uh, Sam reviews a lot of our mobile games uh, out there. So yeah, it's a great interview and I'll make sure that the link is in the show description if you are curious about it. Cool. And Mike, is there anything that you would like to bring up? I I have a weird non-specific thing um, just because, you know, we have this, our release date page on the site and I've been updating a lot recently. I think my favorite, you know, quote unquote piece of news is the fact that so many games like suddenly got release dates. Like you <clears> mentioned Monkey Island is suddenly coming out, but I'm I'm going to just like name dump a few because <clears> there's a bunch of games that weren't due out until who knows when, maybe next year <clears> that in the last 2 weeks are out this month. <clears> so, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. Jack Move is one which will actually be out right after this sh- this show releases. <clears> um, Neil's been looking forward to that. That's a cool like retro style RPG. 
Um, there's a third voice of cards game that comes out in less than two weeks. Mm. Monkey Island comes out on September 19th. Uh, Solstice, which I don't think is a big game, but it's an indie like souls, like action RPG that actually looks really pretty. And it looks, it, it looks like it might be more bigger than it is. Like it's a really, it looks great. Yeah. Um, but again, all of a sudden that's out on the 20th, the outbound ghost, which is like a paper Mario style game with these cute ghosts, which just looks adorable. That comes out this month. Um, Potion Permit actually already had a release date, but that's out this month. Beacon Pines is out this month. Like mm. it's an adventure game with these cute little animals. Uh, it, like so much, so much. I think there was one more. Oh, Nine Years of Shadows. That's next month, but oh, whatever. Yeah. I've been looking forward to that one for a I while. Like Ghost Song. Oh, Ghost Song uh, too. Ghost Song is out in a few months. Borderlands. I mean, this um, is what happens in the fall. It's kind of feast or famine. You know, and this isn't a feast. This is a dump truck of food being dropped on us from above. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a turducken. It's a turducken of games. Yep. So it's pretty exciting. Um, again, like I'm not going to go into every single one of those, but I just highlighted a few that just are around the corner than I didn't expect them to be. So that's very cool. Yeah. So if anyone out there has been looking forward to any of those, uh, check them out, and you can also find the uh, lots more release dates on the site as well yeah if you're curious you can just it's just on the front page just scroll down it's on the right hand side and then you can even say view more upcoming games like sunday gold and uh many others man there's a lot of games that i want to play what's coming up hang on let's let's just go through this there's something i want to play uh oh legend of hero trails from zero is coming out caitlin is excited me too yep <laughs> i know you were too um oh man i'm, I'm, Actually, tentatively I'm curious ex- about flintlock yeah. The more that I see that one. Mm-hmm. I'm really crossing my fingers on the new Valkyrie game. We'll see. I'm pretty excited about Pentiment. Yeah, that looks neat. I mean, it's I- not coming out anytime soon, but I actually think Forspoken doesn't look too bad. I agree. I it's been getting a really really uh a lot of uh, a lot of crap talked about it. And I think it looks pretty good. I don't like mm-hmm. I-, I don't love modern day characters getting thrown into uh, fantasy worlds. It's not my favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. there is a lot of that going on. Yeah, I don't love the genre, but I do. Say, I, I think the game looks pretty cool. So mm-hmm. fingers crossed. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of new games that are coming out, but let's talk about an old one. Um, well, technically not an old one. A a game that has had many many patches. Uh, it's time for uh, my favorite game, which is uh, try to convince Jono to play Final Fantasy XIV. Um, Caitlin has thus far failed to do so, though she comes very close every single time. So we thought we'd have on a new contestant this week. And Mike, you are here to talk about the 6.2 patch of Final Fantasy 14. So let's see oh how boy. you do it, trying to convince me to play. See, I was just going to, I, my plan was just to come on and talk about it. I didn't know I was supposed to come on and actually convince you to play. Um, let's see. Uh, let's start with this then, Jono. Uh, so how much do you like Final Fantasy IV on a scale of 1 to 10? One to ten? Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, I have a Uniqlo shirt with all the characters on the back of it. So I'd say about a 9. Cool. <laughs> so I don't want to spoil too much because I know there's a lot of people that do play the game and might not be there. But they also introduced some of this in the last patch. But there is a lot of Final Fantasy IV in this new patch. Uh, there was in the last one, and it's going to... I'm thinking it's going to continue for at least another, you know, six, seven months, the next couple patches, the way they're going. Okay. And it's very exciting. 
okay, you're doing very well. Uh, you're doing very, very well. Because my question was going to be, is there anything in this patch that would attract me to play the game? Or is the stuff primarily for veteran players? And I think that answers both questions, really. Near the end of the last patch, they panned over to this really dark, like castle looking thing in this mysterious land or whatever. And there is a big armored figure, which did not get a name. But if you've even looked at Final Fantasy IV, you know immediately it was Golbez. Mm -hmm. And he's talking to four statues that represent something he, you know, some other people he works with. Hmm. Um, and that was like, oh, well, this is a this is a neat teaser for like what's to come. Um, what I didn't realize is that by patch 6.2, we would have already been introduced and fight two of those four no. fiends. Um, so yeah, um, the the for the main highlight dungeon in this patch is it's named after Troia, although you would not recognize it as Troia from Final Fantasy IV. Mm -hmm. It's just this like dark, like abandoned, like castle floating in the sky. So, you know, it used to be inhabited by people, but now it's just all these void scent. Yeah. Um, it's so cool. I mean, you know, they, Final Fantasy XIV has always had elements from other games and, you know, they, I forget the exact term they use. I don't think it's playground, but you know, they, they like that there are elements from other games pulled in, but they never lean too heavily on it. Like, you know, one of my, one of my best friends does not like Final Fantasy four. And it's like, well, it has the characters, but it's not anywhere. It's not even based on the story. It's like, you have Golbez, you have the fiends, and it's really interesting to see how they adapt them into the world of 14. I mean, I'm a little confused as to why this person is your friend, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, we agree on most other things, but that's okay. <laughs> Anyway, I, I'm only talking about this one thing, but I love I I'm very much here for the Final Fantasy Four stuff. Yeah, um, the the remix, the the new arrangements of some of the music is just gorgeous as well. I mean, we've been getting an abundance of beautiful Final Fantasy Four music of late with the pixel remasters. So the fact that they're doing even more reorchestrations with this is kind of exciting. Yeah. Um, one one last thing I'll say about that is, if you know four, you probably imagine who the first of the four fiends you fight is. Yeah, and even though it's done in a different way, they, they do actually pull into the, they do the thing where like you beat him and then like a few cutscenes later, he comes back and you have to fight him again. Um, it's, it's, it's a pretty good touch. Good old Millen. Um, anyway, so there's that. Yeah. Because the last time I checked in the, with the game, uh, the overarching plot narrative had started to come to a close with, it was Endwalker. So yes. yeah, they, they are starting to build new threads that will presumably continue on and, and build and build and build until we get to the next Endwalker. Right. Yeah. I mean, Endwalker was the first time that they actually wrapped up the story in the initial expansion. Like that was, it was a self-contained story instead of just running into other patches. So anyway, so there's that. Um, I guess the other big headlining feature is Island Sanctuary, which is just a very, very in-depth mode of like this island, it's completely separate from the rest of the game. It has its own inventory. You can gather, you can collect animals like chocobos and other creatures and raise them and pet them and feed them. Aww. You can plant crops, um, build, you can build different like workshops and other things and sell things. Yeah. From what I've heard, it's their take on Harvest Moon. Yes, exactly. Which I imagine goes down very well with you. Uh, yes. Um, unfortunately, I've been doing a lot of raid stuff in the game and have not spent a lot of time on my island, which is shocking but what i've played of it i enjoy so far i just i'm sure you'll get around to it yes 
so on on the island it's much it's not really so much a uh raid confrontation fighting enemies sort of island it's offering a a very different experience yeah, there's no combat um be, because it's so far removed in its own game it's so much of its own game mode that you don't even use like i said you don't have your own your standard inventory mm. so like you can gather and not have to worry about running out of space you can do be on any class like you don't have to level a gather or any of these other things like you have in the main game like you can go there as a dragoon and just run around and do whatever you want so it's very very accessible and user friendly now for some reason they designed it in such that you have to finish endwalker to unlock it and be level 90 even though you can technically go to the island at like level one <laughs> that seems like a really dumb thing to do it seems like island sanctuary would be a really good entry point for fit players i know like i don't quite understand that I mean, you know, they designed it in such a way that the quest to get to the island is in a city in Endwalker, but it didn't have to be. So I'm not sure about that because, like, you don't have to be level 90 to do it. Because it seems like me, the question, hey, do you like Stardew Valley? Well, come on in would be fairly uh, a no brainer, really. Yeah, I almost wonder if they'll change that because I'm not sure what why that restriction. Well, I have heard there's not a ton of content on the island sanctuary yet. So perhaps when they add more. I mean, there's a decent amount, but the the plan is that they are going to gradually add to it over the next, like, however many patches. I mean, it's a big, it's a major like mode in the game now. So I don't know if there is a an end date that they're like, okay, we're going to add stuff for this long. So I mm-hmm. imagine they'll just keep adding to it. Interesting. Uh, what what do we have to look forward to in the future for Final Fantasy fourteen? Have there been any indications? Um, a little bit, because you know they call this six point two, but they've also already told us what is in the next minor patch which is 6.25 so we got like story and a new raid and some other stuff in the island here but in 6.25 which there's not a release date but i imagine will be probably out next month might be october november um there's a new there's a couple new dungeon mode like a new kind of dungeon where it's a dungeon designed for like high level players because right now, like if you do raids and stuff, it's like you're, you're basically doing a boss fight. You're not going through a dungeon together. Um, so this is a dungeon that has like branching paths. So you can choose how you play it. And there's like a story related and it plays out differently depending on which path you take. Mm-hmm. And then there's different difficulty modes. Like so there's there's one that's like the regular one, which is supposed to be challenging enough. And then there's a very challenging version that branches differently. Like it's a it's called the same thing, but the dungeon is different. Like you're going to a different part of it. So it's not like it's the same content, just harder. It's actually a different experience. Hmm. Um, and then there's an even harder version of that, which like has weird restrictions. Like you can't, you know, you can't be revived. Like oh. you, if you die, you're, you're just dead. Um, so it's interesting they, they've never done content just exactly like this, like dungeon content for four people at a time. It's always like, raid bosses and it's eight players or 24 players so i'm curious how that's going to play out interesting i mean outside of outside of final fantasy fort i mean i we talk a lot about you know the on this show uh you, you know game mode story that kind of thing i'm curious just personal preference which do you prefer do you prefer massive raids with 24 people or do you prefer like kind of smaller four person raids more intimate raiding yes <laughs> I don't. That's your answer, folks. Yes, <laughs> I don't really have a preference because they do so well with each of them. You know, in Shadowbringers, they had their whole twenty-four man alliance was all based on near, which I am very much a fan of. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then it, with Endwalker, their 24 alliance is not, it's not a, you know, you know, they had, they had Ivalice before that, and then they had Nier, and then this time they went like, well, no, now we're just doing something that's just 14. It's not based on other properties and stuff. And mm. the first one they've released so far is fantastic. Like it goes into some lore from the original game, which they haven't really talked about for a long, long time. So it's been really interesting how they're, how that's going to play out. So, I mean, they're generally easier. So I guess if you, you know, if you really want the the biggest challenge of the game, you're doing the savage content with eight people. Mm. Um, so I like both just for different reasons. I suppose the big question is, has been talking about the game made you want to get back to playing the game immediately as soon as possible? Yes, but I always want to <laughs> play it. So I don't know. I'm not sure if that counts. Well, once again, someone on staff has greatly tempted me to crack into Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, maybe someday when Final Fantasy XIV is dead and buried and in the rearview mirror, uh, I'll come on retro and talk about it. You know about the bunnies, right? The bunnies? Uh, the yeah. only bunny I know about is the one that I can hear clicking around on your floor. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, it's fine. It's cute. She was uh, thirsty. Yes, no, we... the, the the moon bunnies from Final Fantasy IV, those are a thing in fourteen now. <gasps> oh, I did cool. not know that. Oh, naming way. Yes. Although they're called different things here. They all have their own names, so... Uh, if Naming Way is there, I have not actually met them, but I have definitely mm-hmm. met uh, Warring Way and Pudding Way and lots of other ways, because that's how mm-hmm. they're all named. Um, Bootbox Way? Yes. <laughs> that's actually the last thing I want to touch on is that's another thing coming in the 6.25 patch is some new quests for this like race of robots, but like you're working with the robots and the little bunny people, the Loperits, to teach them about life, basically. So you're actually going to help them like through a series of like daily quests, uh, like build a cafe in space, which like, what more do you want? Oh, you teach them how to love. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. Open up a cafe in space, teach them how to love. It's starting to sound like a visual novel at that point. Oh, it is. You're right. Nikki will be totally into that. (laughs) And Audra. I hear Audra likes visual novels too. Yeah. Or games that have some visual novel qualities to them. Yes. Um, well, let's move on then from uh, Final Fantasy XIV, which is a uh, massive, you know, online RPG into something a little bit more, a little bit smaller, a little bit, uh, a little bit more uh, closer to, I'm just going to say Yakuza, uh, because there are elements of this game that I looked at and I was like, this seems a little bit like Yakuza. I'm intrigued. Um, and that is Dusk Diver 2. So uh, this is the sequel to Dusk Diver that came out a few years ago. It was a beat-em-up with some RPG elements. Uh, its sequel just came out. Audrey, you just reviewed it. So uh, tell us a little bit about Dusk Diver 2. Well, Dusk Diver 2, it's an action RPG set in Taiwan, specifically Taipei City. And it stars um, Yumo Yang. Or Yang? Yumo. Stars Yumo. <laughs> who's a college student who she recently got into a bunch of interdimensional hoopla hijinks hijinks with her friends and with her newfound friends from this place called Kunlun, which is like a higher dimensional plane that's been monitoring humanity. And so she now can become this supernatural entity called a dusk diver. And she basically uses her newfound powers to beat people up and save the world. Oh, Okay. Well, not really people, but more like chaos beasts, which are like dimensional energy beings. Chaos beasts are people too. Yes. 
Well, actually, there is a little girl who would say that. She's friends oh. with the Chaos Beasts. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, you mentioned that this is a action RPG, but uh, it has much. It has a very beat-em-up style to it, right? What is the, what's the combat like? It's very fast, um, very frantic. I'd, I'd say it's more like a fighting game, actually. Oh, okay. Or the closest that I could think of in terms of RPGs is probably Ease. One of the E's that has the party system, because they now actually do include, you can have a party of Yumo and three of her friends, and then a mysterious fourth person mm-hmm. who joins later. And you can switch between them during combat and everything. Mm-hmm. I I would not recommend it, though, because Yumo's basically your best all-around fighter. Oh, okay. But it's pretty fun, and you can... There's fights with all the the whole groups and everything, and basically you kind of just go around and beat stuff up. <laughs> it is a definition of a beat 'em up. A few minutes ago, when I mentioned Yakuza, uh, it doesn't it doesn't play like Yakuza, not at all. But the reason why I mentioned it is because uh, exploring Taipei City sounds like a fantastic time. It from what I've seen, it does give me some some very Yakuza vibes where you can go in. Uh, get to know the city. There are side quests. There are tons of side activities. There are restaurants, things like mm-hmm. that. Uh, how well did you get to know the city? Pretty well. I actually learned a little bit about some of the architecture. and. The, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I even found out that there's Cold Stone Creamery in Taiwan. Ooh, oh, really? That was interesting. I was like, ooh. Tasty. <laughs> yes. I mean, a lot of the food looked really good. And then, I mean, the characters were likable for the most part. The core group of characters at least i didn't really you don't get too much into the side characters too often unless they're recurring mm-hmm. but i mean i quite enjoyed it i actually thought it was more similar to maybe the persona series like four and five ah okay from a just not only visual stance but then also just the way they had the setup for exploring the city and what you could do there did you play the first one i did not and I actually feel like they did a good job keeping it so that you didn't have to if you hadn't. Oh, okay. Do you think that you will go back and play it now? Are you curious? I'm kind of curious. I don't know if I have the time. <laughs> yeah, we keep you pretty busy. <laughs> there are many games that are coming out, and Audrey is reviewing them all for RPG. <laughs> <laughs> and that's only sort of an exaggeration. <laughs> I kid, but I don't kid. <laughs> Um, so it's a it's a fun game. It's very heavily anime influenced, I think, but I don't mind that. Yeah, I mean, it does. It's not the most groundbreaking in terms of graphics, but it does look pretty cool. It's a <laughs> like cell shaded anime style. Yeah, very much so. Mm. How's the music? Pretty good. It's actually quite varied. They have some like electronic pieces, and then some more maybe leaning towards metal, and the obligatory pop songs here and there. Of course. Just depending on where they are in the plot. Of course. Um, Speaking of the plot, you mentioned in your review that the plot is a little derivative of other kind of anime and RPGs and games like this. Uh, Basically, I think you basically say, we've seen everything that this game offers before, but it also, you also say you don't mind because it does it so well. Yes. I think it's a very well-written storyline and plot it's just it's not the most original see i don't mind that though I, if something no, is I don't really mind either properly executed stories are 
difficult to find in a lot of cases. And it sounds like the characters, especially in this game, are very endearing and you get to know them quite well. Mm -hmm. You actually get some personal side quests with the main cast of characters that so you help them out with their issues and then you learn more about them and you mentioned that some of the side quests in this game uh at least the ones that don't involve the characters that you you know your, your party members to get to know them better mm -hmm. some of the side quests are a little bit of a letdown yeah they're kind of more just go to this point and point a and find what you need to then go back to point b and then you'll have to go back to another point c somewhere later on and oh okay yeah yeah so that's definitely not uh not Yakuza-like, because Yakuza has the, the most memorable parts of those games are often the side quests. <laughs> no, it's sadly not. I can't remember. Have either of you played any of the Yakuza games? I got Like a Dragon mm -hmm. when it was free um, last month, so hopefully I can play it one day. Yeah, this is my second favorite game on Random Encounter, which is Jono tries to convince other people to play Yakuza. <laughs> um, oh man, I, I, hate, I hate being asked that question, because I have to say that I own... All of them. Two? I own two or th <laughs> two or three at this point, and like between admitting that in front of you and Solosi, like both of you get mad at me that I have not played them yet. But no, I don't get mad at anyone. Okay. I've actually i've I've been playing some uh, Yakuza this week in a hilarious way. My mom is. Oh yeah, that reminds me. I was supposed to give people an update on how video games playing with my mom was going. Uh, not well, not well at all. As a matter of fact, um, it it it, it did not go smoothly but that's okay um however my mother likes to play mahjong which she has some friends that she plays mahjong with and uh her mahjong uh appointment got canceled a few days ago and she was like i'm really bummed and i was like wait a minute i know what we can do <laughs> so i booted up uh yakuza 6 which is you know I, I booted up the premium adventure file and i drove kiryu over to the mahjong parlor and uh, played <laughs> and, and I played Mahjong with my mom for a while. And it was really funny because she plays a different variation of the game, but she knows enough to play. And she's like trying to explain to me how to play Mahjong, which has been done many a time and it, without success. So <laughs> yeah, I played Mahjong with her for like an hour and it was fun. I had a lot of fun playing with her. Still don't know how to play Mahjong, but I had a fun time. <laughs> you know, you know what else has Mahjong in it? What has Mahjong in it? Final Fantasy fourteen. Maybe we can get your mom to play not. 14. Yes, it does. Oh wow. In fact, they in fact with each usually with each major patch, they also they like still add to it and add new rules and modify it and <laughs> so like they're serious about it. To be completely honest, the chances that my mother would play Final Fantasy 14 are probably slightly better than the chances that I would play Final Fantasy 14. So <laughs> hey. Um well, I would like to thank you both very much for talking about your respective games today. I want to wrap the episode up with a discussion question which kind of goes back to uh, what we were talking about earlier with our news roundup. Um, this is sort of, I guess, wish casting the news. Um, the Tokyo Game Show is going to be coming in a few weeks. This is, we're recording on September 1st, so it's in September. Um, I'm curious, what piece of news would you really like to hear at the Tokyo Game Show or any other, any other gaming shows of the fall? Like this could be something you want to hear from a Nintendo Direct or... Just what do you want to hear? What do you want to hear gaming wise announced in the fall? Hmm. I mean, right now there's the rumors that they're finally going to put Wind Waker and Twilight Princess on Switch. So I would like for that to happen because I own them and I own a Wii U, but a lot of people don't. Um, and I think it's I think they're very good remasters that 
probably a lot of Zelda fans have not played or have never had access to. So I think that would be good if that happens. You've heard it here first, folks. Many people don't own a Wii U. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I agree 100%. I would adore playing, uh, getting those games for the Switch. They should be on Switch. The fact that they're not is ridiculous. Right. But they're basically two out of three games from the Wii U that have not made it to Switch yet. Like major Nintendo games anyway. And mm. uh, yeah, I hope that happens. I mean, there's also the possibility that maybe Nintendo is holding off releasing them until they release the Switch Pro, which would probably be in the next two to three years. Like that would be a pretty good system seller, especially if they don't have a Zelda ready to go for the new Switch. Unless Breath of the Wild 2 ends up like the first one where it comes out on on both two switches yeah i would put actually you want to know what you're right i put money on that happening i could see it i mean by next year the switch will be uh six years old and usually console generations are about six to seven eight years old so yeah yeah i mean it it's due um i still think that the console is going to be called the super switch but that's i might just be I, that just might be my you know liking the switch super switch then they can release the Switch 64. <laughs> yes. Uh, I've, I've been watching a lot of gaming uh, YouTube videos while I was here. So I've been digging into I've, a lot of gaming historian watching at the cottage. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm knee deep in, uh, in video game history right now. And I uh, love that channel. I didn't actually find that channel until a couple of months ago, but it's so good. Oh, yeah. Uh, is it Norman? He's like he has so much great content. He does. Yeah. Um, yeah, last night I watched his three biggest mistakes in Microsoft history, and it's hilarious because I'm not a Microsoft fan. So I'm like, ha ha, they screwed everything up. <laughs> uh, you could have owned that console generation, but no, instead you were red ringing of death in your way to uh, second place. <laughs> I actually just, well, technically uh, missed the opportunity to see him in person. Like just last week, I found out that he was at a, uh, this like retro gaming convention in Connecticut, which is an hour from here. Mm-hmm. And he was there presenting like some, I, he did like a live episode. I didn't see what it was yet. It's, it was such weird time because we actually were going to Connecticut, the exact town this thing was in on that mm-hmm. day, but we had plans with a friend. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, huh, what weird timing. So maybe next time. But maybe it's, cool next that he, time. it's cool that he did a live one. Yeah. And uh, no, I recommend his content. He's uh, his content, especially if you love video game history, is pretty darn cool. And occasionally he digs into some things that are uh, very much in depth. Like one of the videos I watched, uh, I think it was last week, was the history of the NES light guns. I love. Yes, I saw that one. That one's great. Yeah. And it's not just the light gun, you know, he goes into like the third party light guns. And some of the light guns were released for the Nintendo Entertainment System were nuts. That yeah, that one. Nothing to do with you know our RPGs or anything here, but it's so good. My biggest takeaway from that, besides the weird light guns that, and, and what was it the was it Bandai? Was it the Bandai Probably. one that like was made like they made a game that only worked with their own light gun because they added some stuff that was specific for that game. Rapid fire. Yeah, like that, and the fact that the game Baby Boomer actually exists. Definitely <laughs> the highlights of that episode. Yep. I've described that to like two or three people and it's like, yes, it's a light gun game where you protect a baby by shooting animal or, you know, shadow animals that like are leaping out to eat it. And sometimes the baby also will fall into an open grave and you lose. Uh, Was that the one that was also divided? Was that the one that was also developed by the same company that released all the Bible games? Yeah. The company that made all the 
uh, unlicensed and technically illegal uh, Bible games. Yeah, it was that company. Yeah, I, it's just a really, really great channel. Um, I, like I said, it, there's been a lot of watching. There are a lot of really great uh, video game YouTube content out there. Maybe I'll talk about some more later. Like I just the usual ones like Summoning Salt, for example. If I ever want to zen out, I just watch a Summoning Salt video where he talks about speed running. It's great. <laughs> anyway, Audra, is there any news that has been that uh, you are excited to hear, hopefully in the next few weeks? Well, any week in news aside. Yes. Probably, I would say I would love to hear some kind of con- confirmation of maybe an English localization of Kuro no Kaseki from Legend of Heroes. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. I want that game so bad. <laughs> well, especially now that there's two of them. I know. They're going to get really behind again. Yeah, that's the sad part. We always get these things a little late. But we have a new one coming out in a few weeks, right? That's yeah. true. One of the Trails ones from Zero. That is true. Did, yeah, one of the ones we didn't we'd ever get. Mm-hmm. Um, news that I'm excited for, unsurprisingly, would be some Yakuza news. Um, I would be very surprised if we came out of the Tokyo Game Show without hearing or seeing a little bit from uh, Yakuza 8 or Yakuza Like a Dragon 2. But I can uh, I can dream. I can dream that there would be an announcement of uh, a full remake or remaster of Yakuza Dead Souls. Or uh, they're doing a, they're finally releasing uh, Yakuza Ishin. The uh, the sam the second samurai game. Oh right, yeah, yeah. That's never been released here. Um, I mean, I can dream. I think that it's. I think that releasing both of these games is a no brainer because people are hungry for Yakuza, and there is Yakuza content out there that is not being utilized properly. So announce it, damn it. Anyway, um, well, again, thank you both for coming on today. I appreciate it, and we've talked a lot about some news today, and that's that's always fun and. Heard a little bit about uh, some games that we really enjoy. But you know what the thing is that we really, really enjoy? Being here at RPG Fan. And the way we celebrate that is by selling things to you. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is a terrible transition. But yeah, we have a store now. Uh, the RPGFan.com uh, store. It's www.rpgfan.com slash shop. Uh, and we have lots of things. And since we have fearless leader Mike here... Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on at the shop right now? There's there's stuff for sale. You can buy shirts with an RPG fan shield on it. You should buy it and support us. Yes, but um, spe- specifically, what if people don't have as much money as they wish they could? Oh, like if like if you look at that RPG fan mug or the onesie or all the other things that we have in the shop and say, you know, I would like that if it was 35% off. Um, and it is. It is right now. Right now, the day this goes up is actually the last day, but over the week, first weekend in September, there is a sale in the shop. So everything is up to 35% off. So if you had your eye on some RPG fan merch, um, now is a good time to get it. Uh-huh. And uh, again, that's uh, www.rpgfan.com slash shop. Or if you're feeling particularly lazy, you can look inside the show notes and the link will be in there. And I've heard a kitty in the background. Yes. She woke up. She the, she is very excited to buy some RPG fan merchandise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I'm surprised you haven't heard anything on my end yet, because while your kitty is meowing, uh, the bunny over here is demanding food. And by demanding food, she actually like picks up her food bowl and throws it around the cage. So <laughs> I, I think that means it's time to eat. Okay. Well, since it's time to eat, I think I'll wrap this up. Um, 
If you enjoyed this episode of Random Encounter, we have lots more episodes of Random Encounter for you to listen to. In fact, we have 249 other episodes of Random Encounter for you to listen to. Uh, If you are looking for something else, we have lots of other podcasts here at RPG Fan, including Retro Encounter. Uh, This week, Solosi and the panel are going to be diving into Final Fantasy XIII, which happens to be one of those Final Fantasies that slipped past me. Uh, But it is on my list, so, you know, maybe listening to this episode will get me to finally play it. Um... We also have Rhythm Encounter, which is RPG fans' music podcast. Mike, tell us, what's up on the big board? What, what do we have to look forward to for uh, Rhythm Encounter? Well, next week on Rhythm Encounter, we did an episode. Well, we're doing an episode, but we already recorded it. So we did and are doing an episode on Sega Genesis music. Ah, that's a nice pairing to the Super Nintendo music one that we had a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. It was a fun recording, so I think people will enjoy that. Yep, I'm currently editing it, and it is very enjoyable to listen to. Um, so yeah, that, and we, the last episode that came out was, uh, it was an interesting, interesting topic, I think. <laughs> yes. We, we specifically looked for bad games, which, you know, I know someone might get mad at me calling them bad games, but generally they're considered not good. Um, whether we played them or not, but most of us actually did play them. It's like, yes, I played this game as a kid and did not like it. However, mm. great music. Bad games, good music. Bad games and good music. And this was inspired by Hillary bringing on a song from the Super Nintendo Lord of the Rings a few weeks before that. Uh, Actually unrelated, uh, because Solosi pitched the Bad Games Good Music episode a while ago, and it just so happened that she brought on the Lord of the Rings song on a different topic and then immediately said, oh, I should have saved it. Well, uh, I can tell you, there may be bad games, but they are all good listens. If you'd like to get in contact with us here at RPG Fan uh, Random Encounter, you can fire me off a message at podcast at RPGFan.com. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. If you have any ideas for future episode themes, discussion questions, anything at all you'd like to share, fire me off a message. Uh, you can also fire me off a message personally at jlogan at RPGFan.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Jono underscore Logan. Uh, I am not the only person on this podcast with an online presence. Audra, where can we find you online? Audra B at RPGFan.com. Cool. And Mike, where can we find you online? Mike at RPGFan.com. Okay, then. Uh, If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to share it with your friends. You can help us get the word out there. You can also rate us on iTunes or your podcast player of choice. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Mike and Audra, I want to thank you for joining me on this podcast this evening. And whatever you're playing, have fun.